Hello, and welcome to the show. This is the Goodwin Podcast, and I'm Nico. And I, I want to be pretty vulnerable here to start off. Um, don't have the gumption to be, to ease your mind with some attempted comedy. And uh, it's good, though. It's good stuff. Um, I've been really trying to manifest, if you will, or just call in um, respect and uh, and understanding, particularly in the form of friendship. Um, and the good news is, is I've I've really felt that today. I've felt both respected, um, heard, and understood through through friendship. Um, where I was in that vulnerable kind of place, where, without getting too specific, there was an event uh, that's being coordinated, uh, which I was invited to, and it's part of a group that. Um, that I've hosted uh, parties for in the past, and um, it's pretty excited about it. It's like a it's it, look, it has the lookings of being a really good time. Um, and later on, uh, there was another person added to the group who I've had personal conflict with recently, and. It's usually not a, it's never been a, a big deal in the past, right? I've kind of had no problems with, uh, you know, either going and, um, maybe pretending like I wasn't feeling awkward or I wasn't feeling uncomfortable or just choosing not to go and kind of surrendering that. But this time was a little bit different. This time, I uh, reached out to the event coordinators and 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 told them the discomfort that I've had with this person and in this example I I have I've built the bridge if you will multiple times since the conflict arose um I've been the one to reach out let's let's say 2 or 3 months ago the conflict arose I've I've been the one to reach out multiple times. Um, I even tried to invite, uh, I host men's groups and, uh, which is like a good place to kind of, for men to get together and have a space to, to talk and to be heard and to listen. And it's a, it's actually a good place to kind of get conflict out and to create resolution. And so I, I invited this person to to do that, to create resolution. And, um, they weren't able to make it and, or they didn't want to. And since then I've reached out a few times, not always with the most passive mind, because what I'm now understanding more is violence is an act of desperation, not just physical violence. But someone who doesn't feel heard 
someone who doesn't feel seen is way more likely to commit acts of mental or physical violence. So if I'm reaching out and trying to create resolution and the person stonewalls me, turns their back, walks away from a conversation, like I feel that fire. I feel that it's almost like a jaguar. Like you don't turn your back on a, on a, on a jaguar. They'll pounce on you. Not that I'm a jaguar, but it's the instinct to pounce when someone like tries to turn your back, their back on you and resisting that, of course, and not pouncing, but feeling like sad and like, so I've gone, I've gone out of my way to kind of create, to try to create resolution, um, only to be stonewalled. So when I've reached out a few times, it hasn't been nice. I, in fact, one of the times I reached out, I was like, invited them to jujitsu. Now this person doesn't do jujitsu. I do. I have the advantage, right? I, I tend to use jujitsu as a form of play and communication. And, uh, for what it's worth coming from me, it's not a game of domination, although it can be for some, it's very much felt when someone is very, very much enthralled with winning and the domination element. And I've gone there sometimes, particularly if someone like hurts me, like during a match, that fire can build up and I'll, and I'll turn it on. I'll feel, I'll take it personal. Right. And, um, and go for it. So I invited them to jujitsu kind of out of anger, kind of like, okay, if you're gonna, if you think you can ignore me or you think you can send me mental attacks, if you think you can talk about me behind my back and defame me, um, and attack me that way, a non-physical way, then allow me to show you what a physical attack is. Because for me, especially with relationships man to man, if you're going to sit across a room and throw judgments at me, if you're going to make comments to cut and poke at me, um, but as long as you're not, you know, looking at me while you're doing it, avoiding eye contact or, um, you know, crossing that physical barrier, you think that's allowed. I'm not willing to put up with that anymore. And I much prefer a good old physical scrap man to man than someone who's trying to play mental games and have the subtle attacks. Um, it's, it's much more, it's like maybe cause I'm not as, as good as the, at the mental games. Um, maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, or maybe cause I'm, I'm physically able and I practice, I, I I've said in previous episodes, I communicate best through dance. I communicate best through physical touch. And I do think there's a lot of my ultimate form of conflict resolution is play. And to be able to play with a, like a particular amount of physicality through touch, 
through a little bit of wrestling or, or even roughhousing. Like there's a valid place for roughhousing um, in my life. And I think for men particularly, I don't necessarily even have to gender, but there's a, there's a certain fire in men, um, a certain territorial essence. And I think there can be a lot of resolution in a, in grappling, in playing, in roughhousing, especially when at the end there's like a bow of respect or you slap hands. If it doesn't cross the particular aggression line, um, it can be really rewarding, really healing. Like, um, grounding, humbling, and that humility is has been really a key ingredient in developing closer man-to-man relationships. So some of the messages I sent, some of the ways I've reached out after being rejected, after creating a bridge um, and waiting for the person to walk walk over or meet me halfway on, um, and like, okay, let's, you know, I knew they weren't going to, but my, they weren't brave enough or committed enough to renew or, uh, renew the relationship, um, to actually show up for something like that. So that's another way I've, I've reached out, but it's, it's been all me kind of reaching out and eventually there's just been a piece. What's been beautiful about this is kind of the space that this relationship, this breakup, if you will, has created, has already been validated and vindicated. There's been energy and people that have filled this space that has like, it's made it worth it. I talked about this on the TP episode. Um, like there was a, there was a moment or like a, a collection of moments where I was able to drop resentments that I'd been kind of carrying as particularly this past year or two. Um, and able to pray for people, uh, regardless of, of our history. So there is peace around this. And even though there's peace and I wish this person and any person that I've had harbored resentments, I've wished them well and even pictured them living a great light. Sometimes I'll use techniques where I'll, I'll imagine like green, gold, any color light encompassing my body, ridding myself of impurities or like shadow, pulling it out and then like sending into the ether and then renewing me with this golden green light. It's just like a visual imagination tech, like technique that I use to kind of create a physical, emotional response during my prayers. And then I'll, I'll send that to them and, and do the same on them and, uh, go through multiple people or whatever. But even though this peace exists, even though I wish for them the best and I, uh, I don't need anything from them. Don't need a particular sorry or a, I, I still have to maintain a boundary to not put myself back in a place that 
uh, I'll just feed back into the cycle. And so in a way I still have wants and needs and, and there is something that like the resolution isn't perfect. It's not all hunky dory. It's not all, it's not completely healed. Maybe if you still have to have boundaries, so that's a question I have. It's like, if I still have boundaries, is the healing there or is there more work to be done? Um, like nature seems to not need, it seems to be, I don't know, there's structure in nature, right? Things are composed of hexagons and uh, what have you, carbon. And that's, there seems to be a structure. But like when you look at an atom like carbon, we'll look at like the Bohr's model, which there's a nucleus in the center and then there's rings around there's two electrons in the nearest ring and then there's four in the in the second ring for carbon but uh more realistically electrons come in a cloud um where they're kind of appearing and reappearing at different points a certain distance away from the nucleus which doesn't which seems to be more solid so i guess the structure lies in the nucleus <laughs> this is kind of a tangent but um so, so maintaining boundaries and also being healed. Um, and I, I, I am open, or I, at least I'm saying I'm open. I, I do feel quite closed off to this relationship because it seems to be better without, although we still run in similar circles. So... A complete clean break doesn't seem possible and it's actually not even, yeah, it doesn't seem possible. So, um, so I, I, out of necessity, I'm remaining open to there being healing or I guess a friendship that still can be recultivated. Um, but, that would require, in this particular instance, for effort to be made, and it's not on my side. Now, sometimes I've used cold shoulder. Sometimes I've walked away from conversations. So karmically, it's not that I completely don't understand I mean, in this particular relationship, I haven't done that though. In fact, I've, you know, I've been the one to kind of give a little bit more. Um, and that's on statistics. Like, look, you don't keep score in relationship. It's never healthy to keep score until it is. You never want to give with the expectation of receiving something in return. But after a while, after some long times, occasionally you reflect and look back. And I've looked back on this particular relationship and it's like, oh, there's physical evidence, money, relationships, opportunity, um, promoting their work, helping them physically 
with labor, unpaid labor to set up their projects. So hours spent. Something as simple as the amount of the ratio in which you go to someone's house or they make the effort to come to you. So hours driven. And it's just been, uh, when you look back after long enough and it's grossly disproportionate and that anger at yourself for kind of spreading yourself thin, making yourself small is real. And eventually you kind of, I guess I've come into a certain sense of sovereignty, self-esteem, self-worth, self-respect, where it's like, oh, there are people that will genuinely want me around. There are people that won't have such a hard time creating a reciprocal symbiotic nature in a relationship with me. And I think if that if someone's not able to create some sort of reciprocation symbiosis, then it's best to create that space, create that boundary. So when an event comes up that I've been part of the group and been contributing to the group um, through whatever hosting or, or participating and and then this person which you've created a boundary for comes up. Um, in this case, I, I reached out. I said, you know what? I, I do have a boundary there. And I know it's not my event, but I'd appreciate it um, if you reconsidered this or considered me and how I feel because I won't be comfortable. I won't be able to show up fully. There's been no resolution. So I'll, I'll basically go to the event and feel those microaggressions, those passive aggressive, like passive aggressive things and be uncomfortable. And pretty sure no one wants that because when I'm uncomfortable, you know, it's uncomfortable. And I don't think it's just uh, within me. I think you know, when we're with other people, like it's felt and I hang out with like sensitive, caring people. So like they'll probably feel a little bit of picking up what I'm putting down. And a beautiful thing happened when I was able to express this, this boundary or this, I guess, vulnerability because it's, you know, there's that doubt that comes in. Well, who am I to uninvite someone to, to an event? You know, all those old patterns of shouldn't I just work on this myself? And yeah, there's a bunch of self-reflection involved, but I can no longer bear the entire weight of discord in any relationship I have. There is true in any relationship. There are one or, or two or more people involved. And for one, and for a person to bear the entirety of any discord, because the other person, and when you bring uh, criticism or, or share how you feel, they say, "Oh, you're just projecting onto me. I'm not actually like that. You're just projecting." 
And when you say, no, this is something I'm observing you for 10 years, and they say, I'm done, and they just walk away, well, uh, I'm not going to bear that anymore. It's not my job to do anyone's work for them. And when it is, because sometimes I'm happy to, to help people do work, you know, Part of the reason I'm making this podcast is in an effort to help people illuminate themselves. I'm not taking on anyone's work in particular, um, so maybe it's not a perfect example, but the idea is is some of the work that I'm doing, I'm hoping, is reflected so that this, the path for a, an, an, an individual might be a little bit easier for them. Maybe. And if I was a wise man, I'd climb to the top of the mountain peak and think about strength versus weak. I'd find a couple feet that rest. I can't. I'd find a spot that rests a couple feet above your head and figure out how I could help you reach it. Atmosphere. So, yeah, relationships aren't all rainbows and butterflies, even if you're in a very self-aware community. And I'm kind of going through this place of expressing boundaries. But the beautiful thing that happened is I expressed them. And instead of all those doubts in my mind that who am I and, you know, what am I worth to this community? They were met with understanding and respect. And they and the facilitators were like, you know what? We've been in your shoes where we felt uncomfortable or we weren't able to show up fully to an event because someone has wronged us or we've perceived that they've wronged us and uh whatever you whatever boundaries you have or you want to put up we support you in that when i got those messages back i almost melted into a puddle because these prayers of asking for understanding in community um, within friendships for respect. Respect that. Maybe I've given in excess. Because there seems to be a fine line in me. In the respect that I'm giving to making myself small. Like over humility to the point of self-degradation. So to be, to express that and for it to be welcomed and, and a side note is like, it didn't even take them like a day to get back to me. It didn't take them multiple days. They didn't need to reflect on it. They were able to kind of receive the message and respond. And the timeliness of it too, although it's not the most important element, was really important to me. Like it's just like the fact the fact that there was like a lack of hesitation. It's like when you say I love you to someone and you're really feeling it, and without hesitation they say I love you, you back. And it's like that's so wonderful. Because when the hesitation is there, it's like, it can be. That might be giving with the expectation of receiving. 
most recently, um, I'll say I love you and just kind of put that out there. And how I practice that in reverse is when someone says I love you to me and I'm not fe- and, and it, even if there's a moment of hesitation, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll wait till another time to say it back. Because it doesn't fe- it's not fully authentic. I'm going to give them words built on sand and a found- on a foundation of sand or whatever. Even though I may really love them in that moment, I'm caught up in something. And uh, so it's just because someone says, I love you. I don't have to say I love you back, at least immediately. And you certainly don't have to. It kind of reminds me of um, there's this thing happening in, in polite culture right now where Thank yous are met with thank yous. There's a shortage of your welcomes out there. And I think this is a nice little symbol for something that's a pretty serious issue. And that's people's inability to accept. It it almost feels like when I say thank you and someone says thank you back... I'm giving you a gift of gratitude. Giving and receiving seems to be be able to be replaced because usually you receive something and then thank you so much. I feel the gratitude and I'm able to express it. Thank you. And for someone to say, no, thank you. It's almost like a deflection. Are you, it's not like a non-absorption of the gratitude that I'm able to give back. It's not being able to accept the love back. And there's a really strong argument in my mind. If you're not able to receive, are you fully able to give? If things become their opposites in their deepest state, um, if you're only as secure, like if, things are bound to their opposites, like superiority and inferiority, then I think you can only give something with your heart as much as you're willing to receive something as your heart. And this is probably not very new. Maybe just a reminder. So the thank you, thank you culture is kind of like a, a small stance I have. Um, and I think it's a really simple exercise to say you're welcome when someone says thank you. And, you know, be be a little bit different. Be a rebel with a, with a cause. And the cause is to teach people how to receive by example. So literally whenever someone says thank you, and it's a lot we kind of over it's almost it's not that it's watered down i'm sure people are practicing gratitude as best they can and it's like this is not to tear to tear that down because you could be practicing other things but meeting every thank you with a you're welcome and someone sometimes he'll say thank you but you're welcome 
and they'll almost be taken aback. It's so unusual. Or they may have, may have been expecting a thank you. And even some other times, it's thank you, you're welcome, and thank you so much, and thank you. The game begins again. Thank you, you're welcome, and thank you. Or not, thank you, and you're welcome. You know what? You're welcome. Because I didn't have to do this. I didn't have to drive two hours um, to your gathering. I didn't have to leave my house today. I didn't have to pick up the phone and call you, even though you might not answer, even though it might be uncomfortable and we haven't talked too much on the phone. And uh, what are we even going to talk about? And how are we going to say goodbye? Um, and I hope you don't, you know, I kind of like you more than just a friend. So I hope you don't pick, you know, if I talk, well, I expose myself and so I'm not ready to tell you how I really feel about you. So you know what? You're welcome for putting all those doubts aside and uh, doing it anyway. For thinking about me even for a moment and then ask and then actually acting from that thoughtfulness. You're welcome for that. That's not guaranteed. I don't owe you anything. I'm out here literally surviving, trying my best. Now some days... I'm thriving, but yeah, I'm keeping myself afloat. So the fact that I have, I'm treading water and still able to, uh, you know, pass you your sippy cup of juice. You're welcome. A genuine you're welcome. Cause I'm thinking of that Moana song that Maui sings, you're welcome, where he's kind of assuming gratitude. But I think in a, in a thank you, rich, you're welcome, deficient world, that song even is, is timely. I think my, the lesson nowadays might be learning how to receive because I think at, even at the baseline, of life, a lot of us have more than we're even comfortable with. Oops. I think a lot of us now I, I've been particularly blessed or privileged. Um, I haven't been trying to hide that at all. But what that meant for me as a child was a rejection of all things perceived privilege. For some reason, I had this early onset shame where I would get a, a new pair of shoes, right? And I would take them outside and drag them through the grass and the mud and try to scuff them intentionally. Because the shame of having something new, when I hung out with friends who, you know, didn't have get to have new shoes every school year, and that shame for me was really palpable. And I don't know, I wonder where that came from. I guess it was like not feeling worthy, low self-esteem type of thing. Um, so I've actually had to overcome that. So my personal journey has required learning how to receive, um, genuinely and sexually sex helped me, you know, learn this a lot too. 
you know, getting head or something and uh, needing to feel like I'm also ple- like pleasing the other person with like whatever, trying to touch their vagina or penis, vulva, balls, whatever it is. And, and that's, that's a disservice to myself, but also to them, like for them to, you know, giving head can be vulnerable. I suppose I've never really had problems with it, but you know, it, it could probably feel a certain way. So if you're not able to kind of receive that, that humbling gift, if you're not able to humble yourself to receive as much as that person's humbling themselves to give, it just seems to be the cycle is not is is not broke is broken, and when the ego gets involved, it's like there's some people's egos that are so big that they're not able to receive because it makes them feel like they owe something. If I receive this or if I accept this invitation, then this person has a little bit of power over me because now I'm in debt. And I've never, I've learned that by overgiving. I've never, I've never um, consciously pushed away gifts. Um, I mean, I had, I, yeah, I've been receiving my whole life. Now I just mentioned the shame associated with that and feeling like I hadn't earned it or wasn't, you know, worthy of it. But there's also this like, like man to man friendship dynamics I've had where it does, our relationship is harder, the more generous I get. If I'm like, hey, can I grab you something? Or I bring you like, or I, like I bring you a gift just out of nowhere. Or if I'm the one calling, like, apparently it makes some guys feel like, oh, now I'll, you know like they're in debt and no one wants to feel like they're in debt. And I guess you can question the intentions of my giving, but uh, there's been times where I've genuinely felt like I'm just giving because I have. And like, if you, if this, this helps me sometimes, if I need to approach something, we can approach anything as being selfish, right? So maybe I'm giving, maybe a Christian gives to, to get to heaven, you know, or maybe a, a, a Buddhist or Hindu gives to build their karma because they know that it'll return. And that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, I, I don't tend to hold on to cash or, or uh, money as much as I, I used to kind of just be a, a squirrel and, and save, 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 but I'm putting my money out there with a little mental note, made this return to me seven times or yeah, I say that, but you can, but I kind of like put money out there just, um, cause I know money's like water, like it's collected on the banks. It's collected in the banks. Um, cash flows, cash flow. Um, you liquidate your assets, uh, when you want to create cash flow. Um, there's some other cool water references as they relate to money. But 
but but the concept is is like money is cyclical and it and, re- and it flows so sometimes i do give not to receive even from that person but like i give i put things out there and have faith that they will return to me in some way somehow so in that way it's selfish in in a lot of ways it pays to be good like in business one of the most selfish things you can do is be a trustworthy good business partner because in the long run especially if you're building a long-term relationship you're not just trying to make a quick buck um, that's going to pay back tremendously i'm still waiting on that (laughs) i felt like i've i've upheld and i'm young so it's kind of been i'm a young millennial so our ethics are pretty good. Um, our awareness, our global awareness is is better than any generation, um, maybe besides the one just above us and the one just below us. But if I may, I think there's just a certain global awareness, internet, um, that's present in millennials, which has gives us the capacity for empathy, deeper amounts of empathy. Um, but I like this concept if yeah it's i I practice and I upkeep integrity and ethics in business particularly because I am forethinking enough to know that it's going to come back or that I may need this relationship in the future in ways that I can't see. Um, paying people back on time, responding as soon as possible. Um, Yeah, again, even if there's no visible gain in sight. And I don't honestly feel like it's coming back yet. Um, I'm still very much, you know, I think I I have six teachers right now. I have three music teachers guitar, drums, and then a a vocal guitar and drum kind of teacher. Um, I have two trainers, two movement trainers. Um, And hmm, I think I'm missing. Oh, and I'm looking to hire a sound engineer for this, this podcast. Um, even though it's not creating it. And, and that's and my point is, is I'm not seeing a bunch of money come back right now. I'm investing, I've invested into friends' businesses, hasn't created a return, um, at least financially at this point. Um, but I, I have gained, you know, I have received returns at various points in my life that have kept me well. You know, I don't really want to talk about that, but my point is, is I kind of still do this with the faith. I kind of spend and give money and put money and energy into the community and uh, with the faith that it'll return to me somehow in a good way. Supporting people's music, buying their albums, um, etc., 
Just I don't let the money pool and become stagnant. There are some places where, like cryptocurrency, I've pretty much been a hodler. I hold, um, and it's been fluctuating. But I wonder if I should create a little bit more current with that, liquidate some of those uh, assets and, and put them into various places in the hopes of them returning to me. And some news on my sole goal, which is to um, bring the American buffalo bison back to the Great Plains to restore the Great Plains, to heal the land, to uh, to stop desert desertification, the creation of, of deserts, um, and to heal the water, consequently. There's been some movement on that, and it's been since I've put that out there. Um, I I met a a farmer. uh, He has a farm called The Organic Compound in Minnesota, and he's reforesting a particular piece of land uh, and raising chickens. Chickens are, he calls them jungle fowl. Like They're not meant for open plains and open fields because that's where predators can pick them off. Hawks and eagles like to have a lot of space to dive in their and catch their prey. So having trees, they don't actually perch on trees and and uh, and attack from there. They need more space. So chickens are more protected in in like a, a reforested or a forest forested area. So he's reforesting some land in Minnesota and raising chickens. Um, that eat the insects and, and some feed, I suppose. And he's also growing nut trees that they can uh, feed off of. And he invited me to uh, this regenerative agriculture group on Facebook. And the, <laughs> for whatever reason, the talk has been about uh, bison, which is my particular area of interest. And it's been so informative. There's also an amazing TED Talk by Alan Savory, who... Uh, his main mission is stop desertification, desertification, the deserting of the world, the erosion of topsoil. And, oh man, he has a really powerful Ted talk and he made the mistake. He's been a scientist, soil scientist for years. And they thought that herding animals, um, like elephants, he's, he's from Africa and They thought that the desertification of the land was largely due to grazing animals like elephants and cattle. So they ran a campaign and ended up killing 40,000 elephants, pachyderms, which he says is the greatest regret of his life, something that he'll, he'll die having regret. But there's one silver lining that came from it, and it was his undying, relentless effort to reforest and to replane and heal the land, which they found counterintuitively that bringing cattle, large herds of cattle to a desert, a deserted area, a low grass to no grass area through them stomping, pissing and shitting on the soil. It reflourished once deserts to full on valley like grasslands and valleys which is something i knew but he explains it in such a way and uses imagery images so well that 
um, is really eye-opening. He has um, an institute called the Savory Institute, and he's selling these uh, regenerative agriculture courses on his site for, I think it's like $99 for five courses, or you can buy all of them for 400 bucks or something, $399, uh, $299, whatever it is. And uh, I'm going to dive into those those courses soon. Uh, that seems to be the next step. But the first step was, you know, getting to the TED Talk, getting plugged into this regenerative agriculture group and seeing some of the trials and tribulations of raising bison and uh, cattle. And then they have beefalo, the hybrid of cattle, of cows and bison, which tend to be a little more docile because buffalo superiors is like, like they're wild. Like I saw today that one, on one of the threads, guys, like, how do I get my buffalo, my male buffaloes to stop fighting each other? <laughs> because in, the, in, my, in my mind, I'm like, well, why do you have to do anything? Why can't you just let them do their thing? And he's like, because uh, they're fighting, some of them, they're fighting to the point of exhaustion or death. So, like, it's lowering his income, you know, his ability to produce uh, val- like value from them. But my, my mindset is a little different. I'm not trying to produce direct value from the buffalo that I'm trying to help bring back to the Great Plains. I want to create a wild buffalo population that can travel and restore land as it goes. They're migrating animals. They migrated almost coast to coast back before, um, um, the, is it called genocide if it's not people? The extermination of uh of the bison um that that's more the mindset i have and and maybe that'll include some sort of fencing or some sort of zoning uh, at first but uh, eventually i just want there to be a, a wild buffalo population bison population massive herds like there once was restoring the land and therefore improving the water supply that we all Enjoy so much. So the Savory Institute. That's my next step. I think this one's a little shorter, but it was a sweet one. Um, Not a lot of humor, but I feel like this is as authentic as I can get. It's a lot of what's going on going through my mind today. And uh, I'm glad that the words found me. Um... And as always, I thank you so much for being a part of the show and your presence and is, is the most valuable thing and is something I, I appreciate the most. Uh, if you do find value above and beyond, uh, I encourage you to support this podcast um, through Patreon or through OnlyFans, uh, which the links will be provided in the comments below. And... Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Have a wonderful, beautiful day. This is Nico, and this has been The Good Wind. Whew.